Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard. Comes out to Essien! Oh my goodness. It's a catch attack. Here's Didier Drogba. And now Kitty in the middle. Drogba goes! Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on many of you. Stretch it. Chelsea 2 off the wall. And Didier Drogba has it. Drogba in the centre. Mitchell just came to the ground and was pulled out. That was that madness. Hello, welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined by the infamous Sam. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a sad state of affairs, but my, my life's much happier when Chelsea are in winning ways, so it's all good. I, I don't blame you. Football's an emotional, <laughs> emotional game and... Obviously, Sam is our, um, our resident passion match at the Hour. I love it. <laughs> so I get it. And for me, if Chelsea lose, it, it impacts my day for, for quite badly. So I, It does. I don't blame you. But obviously, we're at the W Hotel at the moment because all, all things are looking quite good and swimmingly well under Graham Potter. Um, so, yeah, obviously, we dispatched of AC Milan... In the Champions League, 2-0, very, very comfortable. Obviously, they had a sending off for Tomori early on in the game. But, yeah, things seem to be going quite well for, for Graham Potter and Chelsea. And Sam, obviously, I know you're a big fan of Potter. And yeah. very happy for him to, to come in and replace Tommy T. Um, how, how, what were your thoughts on that game? Obviously, we needed to win. It was, a, it was very important that we got that win. Um, Oh, your thoughts? What are your thoughts going into that game? Were you concerned at all? No, I actually wasn't concerned. Um, not with the first game where we won 3-0 or the second game 2-0. I mean, I watch Milan quite a lot because, you know, they're on obviously BT every week pretty much. Um, they, I just think we're, we're much better than them. And I think if we play to our ability that we weren't really showing towards the end of Tuchel's time, unfortunately... Uh, we're just we're much better. We're obviously helped by the sending off um, 
I know people had their kind of differing views on that. I think it was definitely harsh, the sending off. But I mean, like if you're going by the letter of the law, he did impede someone in the box with no attempt to get the ball. So it was silly. I think maybe some Chelsea fans were a little bit... Because it was Tamoria, it was not nice. He hasn't really had the two best games against us, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, but going into the game, I wasn't really scared at all. I think they had a few injuries. Um, we were obviously playing quite well up, up leading to this second game. We'd beat them already. Um, we didn't have the best record in Italy. I think we hadn't won in Italy since, like, 2003. It was like. a long time. We hadn't won yeah. in the Champions League in Europe, actually, for... Yeah. For ages. And as San Siro, I don't think they get many losses at San Siro in terms of um, against British teams. So, I mean, Italy's not an easy place to go. Their fans are are pretty wild. They create a good atmosphere. But um, yeah, I think when you look at the quality of our team and the way we were playing, I was was pretty confident going into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think like going into the game, um, it's bar obviously Kante, we've got a pretty pretty much our whole team is fit which is nice going into this really busy period Um, and we've obviously got a big squad which uh, we spoke about on previous pods that obviously can be a disadvantage sometimes with people not getting enough minutes and stuff but can also be an advantage at times when like this month I think all the big six have nine games so it's good that we can rotate and I think there's a lot of players there we can rotate and we, we don't lose too much like we obviously have our kind of spine at the minute I think Potter is developing a spine of kind of I don't know what's going on with a goalie I don't know if Kepler's part of the spine yeah I don't know about that one but I think probably like you've got the silver um, Mount Albamiang James Sterling Kovacic maybe he started I think most games I think Um, Potter started every Champions League game so yeah yeah and he's getting back to full fitness I believe so yeah, I think that's kind of our spine and it's, it's looking good. Yeah, I mean, I, it is a very interesting one because I, I, I'm a big, um, I'm very big on getting consistency in a team and playing them consistently. Um, but obviously where, where you have fixture congestion, it, that makes it a lot more difficult, especially like you said, nine, nine games in the next couple of weeks. It's, it's going to be quite brutal. So we do need a full squad. Um, but you know, he has changed teams like quite quite significantly. I think for the Wolves game, he made like seven or eight changes, which is yeah, exactly quite nuts. Um, obviously, that can go either way, really and truthfully. I mean, there are a lot of players, and I think it, it 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 works initially. I think it works initially because it's a new manager. Everyone's like eager to show him what he's what what they can do, really. So he he's like. You're, you're, you can get away with it then, but if it's a pattern where players are always being changed in and out, I think over time players will get annoyed. Players won't like that. You know Definitely. What I mean? So it, it really is. He needs to. I think he does need to be careful that this isn't actually a, a pattern. It's just something that he's doing to manage the load um, for the time being, because you know the players like Zh, who I, I really don't think has any business playing for us at this moment in time, because he whether it's under Tuchel, whether it's under Potter, he just doesn't really look at it at all. Um, but then it's also at the same time giving players like Pulisic a little lift and he seems to be um, being a bit involved a bit more than usual, um, which is definitely good for him and the US national team. 
Um, want to talk about Mason Mount pretty quickly because again, he only played 45 minutes of that game, but he, he was fantastic. Um, and it seems like he's found a spark to really bring himself back into form because Mason Mount, prior to two games ago, he, he really wasn't at it, even under Potter. Um, what do you think has changed, Sam? Because obviously you're a big Mason Mount fan. Yeah. So what do you think has changed? And obviously, I'm, I know you're relieved and happy to see your boy back. Oh, definitely. I mean, I never um, was like afraid they wasn't going to come back, even if Tuchel stayed. I think like players always go through rough patches. It's probably maybe the roughest patch he's gone through in, in his Chelsea career so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it would only been like, what, probably like seven, eight games. So it wasn't really kind of, I don't think it was that worrying at that point. Um, but obviously, because I think he he done well last year, numbers-wise. I know a lot of Chelsea fans, myself included, probably thought he'd done better the season before, even if he didn't get as big a numbers. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of more involved in play. In play. Uh, he, he was doing the basics a lot better. But um, I think, um, obviously, Babs touched on it on the main pods, that he's just having much more of an influence kind of in the in the second and third phase rather than just the third phase of the game. So he's not being... Now we've got Aubameyang there, who obviously his all-round game isn't the best. It's never been the best. But, like, you know, he's one of those people. Give him a chance, he will score. Yeah. He's, he makes good runs. He's got good positioning. Um, so he's kind of the guy, I guess, Potter's leaning on and we're leaning on to kind of be our goal scorer now. And we've obviously got Sterling. Sterling's gone maybe for a little bit of a rough, I wouldn't say a rough patch at the minute, but he started, obviously, I think he's got three or four goals and he hasn't really scored in a while, but he's still, I think, got a couple of assists and whatnot. Um, so now we've got Aubameyang and Sterling up there with Mount. You'd say Mount's probably like the third the, the third goal scorer in that kind of front three that we're, we're kind yeah. of playing. Yeah. So I think, I think that's good for him. And I think where we play that midfield two, it quickly turns into a midfield three with Mount. Yeah. And I think he is best at kind of just progressing the ball, being a busy body, getting around. Um, and I, I think that's kind of, it's, it's a simple change, really. I, I don't know why towards the end of Tuchel's time, it was like, he was almost like, yeah, getting shafted out on the kind of right wing or left wing. And it was like, he was just putting him in the attack, yeah. regardless of kind of um, how it was working or whatnot. Yeah. Like we probably had better players to do the role that Mount was being asked to do, but due to obviously Mount's kind of stature in the team and his importance to the team, I think he was just getting kind of pushed into an eleven where he maybe didn't really work as well. Um, and I think Potter's noticed that. And if we saw anything from Potter at Brighton, it was he's very tactically astute. Um, yeah. It's a thing commentators always say. We obviously kind of mention it in the in the Chessie chat and it goes on the Twitters and the Discord. Like a Potter lineup, you can never really guess it. It's kind yeah. of like, where's this player? Is he here? Is he here? And um, it's very fluid. And I think one amount biggest strengths is following instruction um he clearly takes on takes on instruction quite well and is quite a clever player in that aspect and I think the reason I like him between the midfield and the attack is because I believe his 
probably his strongest aspect in football is his ability to find space in pockets. And I think that's the main reason why managers love him. And it's something that I think flies under the radar a lot. But his ability to kind of find space and just he'll he yeah. kind of picks up spaces. I get like, what you're saying. And he, yeah. he finds the half space very, yeah. very well. So in the pocket, he just appears a lot of the time. And that's where he's able to do damage a lot of the time. Exactly. He may not create a goal or assist, but in terms of just disrupting play. He, de- he generally finds himself in that area of quiet. Yeah, and I can just imagine he's hell to play against. Like, does the, the, are the midfielders, kind of the deeper midfielder, is he picking him up? Is the centre-back pushing up to pick him up? Is the full-back, because he likes to go on the kind of half spaces on the right and the left. And it kind of, I just imagine it kind of creates almost havoc in mm. that area. And you see a lot of good number 10s through history do it. Like, I think um, Matter for Chelsea used to do that very well as well. Yeah. Obviously, he was a lot more creative than Mount and had a lot better final pass, probably a bit better with the ball at his feet, but I think kind of the pockets they pick up like is very similar. Yeah. I feel like in, in some ways I, I agree with you in regards to, you know, too cool, you know, putting him out wide. And I don't really think he was out wide too much. To be honest, I don't think Potter's really changed that much in regards to Mount's positioning. I think this Mount is just probably enjoying playing under Potter a bit more. Um, so you can kind of see that there's a bit more energy and bite in this play. I think under Tuchel, especially towards, a, towards the end of his reign, I think Mount wasn't really... Not that he lacked energy. I just think, like, all-round decision-making and... It's his the, that burning desire to get a goal just so that he doesn't feel like he's going to get shouted at. I think that played a big part mm. in in his um in his decline in his play. But also, I think honestly, I do feel like Mason Matt is like this. I do think he gets moments like this because like last season, he didn't score for ages for a while. Get a goal assist for ages for a while, um, and they all came. I think against Norwich, and then obviously the goals started to flow again. Then. Um, Again, the season before under Lampard, there was a period of like eight or nine games where you just didn't get a goal or assist for ages, you know. Um, so I, I feel like I feel like this is Mason Mount. I don't feel like you know it's the be all and end all if he doesn't score an assist. I feel like for me, as long as he's impacting the game, it's it's really not a big deal. It's really really not a big deal. And I feel like Mount, what he has been doing, um, and especially the last two games, he has been impacting the game. Playing really, really well, um, because I think I think it was a game against Wolves. I don't think he got a goal or assist, but he played really well. Like played gen- in the second. No, half. he got two assists against Wolves. Was it two assists against Wolves. Yeah, he crossed it to Havertz, and he done the little oh, reverse to Pulisic. He did, he did, he did. He got. I think it was a game of four then. Yeah, the Palace game. The Palace game, yeah, where he didn't get a goal or assist, but he played really well in the second half, especially. Mm. So, I feel like generally he, he's coming in his form. I think that's very important because we've got a busy, busy, busy month. Yeah, for sure. And he can be relied on. Like He's not very injury prone. He's got a mad engine for some... Yeah. Like, he just can play every game, it seems like. So yeah. Yeah, it's definitely relying on him, um, which is good. Another player... Another one. Yeah. yeah How many is that? Southgate, really Lampard... Well, three Chelsea more. managers, three Chelsea managers. Yes, so, and Southgate. So that's that's four yeah. managers now. It's a, yeah. yeah. So they 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 all got something for him. They all they all like him, obviously. And I I think Mount is a very difficult 
player not to like, to be honest, because he works hard. He shows endeavour. Obviously, he's got quality too. So I think it'd be very difficult for managers to like leave him out or ignore him, to be honest. Yes. Very, very difficult. Moving on, another player that I feel like Potter's relied upon quite significantly this season is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, now, Ruben is a player that many Chelsea fans gave up for quite some time. Yeah, I'll hold my hands up. Like, there was yeah. kind of a time where even I was like, I'm not sure if he's ever going to make it. And he was like, he's almost like, he was the first Cobham boy. He obviously wasn't the first ever Cobham boy, but he was the first who we had such high hopes of. And it kind of, it got to a point and then he had that bad injury in the Sarri season. And from then it kind of just, it looked very difficult, but credit to him, man. Like, Yeah. I mean, there were ones, there were obviously some that were um, consistent believers. So I'm out. I'll, I'll, <laughs> that, that's a position that I've always held. And um, that Ruben, no matter what, just because I knew what his mentality was like. And I knew that he, you know, despite the, like, the, the severity of the injury, despite how bad it was, I always felt that this guy's mentality will carry him, you know what I mean? You know, I, I was 100% certain that he'd, be, he'd come back fine. You know, as long as the surgery went well, I knew he'd be fine. Um, but Potter's relied upon him quite a lot. I think he's played every Premier League game on the Graham Potter, which is something that you, again, wouldn't expect um, if you looked at Ruben's situation, I guess, 18 months. He didn't start the Palace game. No, but yeah. I think he came on. I'm saying yeah, he, he came on, yeah, yeah, yeah. He featured him, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I, I feel like even under Tuchel, to be honest, Loftus-Cheek has been probably one of our standout players this season, um, which doesn't sound like much, uh, you know, because we haven't had the best of starts this season. But I think Ruben's been really, really good. You know, I think he's been really good. Like pretty much every game that he's played this season, I could say that he's been pretty much a 7 out of 10 for most of the games. Um, and that's some going, because obviously we've got good players at Chelsea. And like Sam, like you said, um, you weren't really expecting him to to really make a full recovery and come back into the squad and be important to our squad. But many times last season and this season, he's shown that he can he can chill and mix it with the big boys. You know what I mean? As a way performance at the Bernabeu was was fantastic last season. So I think it's well deserved. I think he's, he's there's talks or talks a couple of weeks ago about him getting a new contract. Um, firstly, how do you feel about that, Sam? Um, and obviously, there's been talks about, you know, getting the new mid- midfielder in, like Benasser and um, Tonali. But we played against them the other day. Um, well, twice. What, what were your impressions on, on them as well? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tonali. Yeah. I, I do really like him. I think yeah. he's a tidy player. I think even in that 2-0 loss, obviously with 10 men, he looks pretty good. Like, he's good in possession. He's got a bite about him. Yeah. I do like Tonali. I think he'd be... A, I'd take him for sure. Um, in terms of Loftus Cheek, I'd definitely give him a new contract. Yeah. Um, I think sounds harsh, but I think he's like he obviously wants to start like any football player, but I also think he's not massively disheartened at the minute of being like a squad player. Yeah. And he understands there's a lot of games. He understands he's obviously he still has kind of little injuries here and there. Um, I don't think like he's not like a kind of amount or something where he can play every game anyway. Yeah. Um, and like you said, pretty much most games he comes in, he he plays pretty well and he gives us something different. Well, I get, I guess Kovacic kind of gives you a similar thing, but they they kind of 
they um, they can play together. Yeah, uh, what I'd say it's slightly different is that Ruben, I think you can play at the base, the deepest of midfield, and you know he brings some form of security and robustness. Whereas I feel like Kova, I wouldn't play him at the deepest because not on his own. I would not on his own. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think. Like I said at the start of the pod, I think we're at a good moment now where a lot of players we can kind of bring in and we don't really lose as much. Yeah. I think there was a point under like Tuchel and the way Tuchel wanted to play where Jorginho was so paramount to the way we played. Yeah. Um, and Jorginho is a brilliant player, but he does have his limitations. I think like, every football player has their limitations, but Jorginho's limitations, when they're exposed, they're exposed. If you're not like... He looks, he can look, he can have a disaster class. And it is a disaster class, if you know what I mean. Of course, every player can, but... I was going to say, it's very difficult for me to agree with that because I feel like every player can really have a disaster Yeah, every player can for sure. But I think his is just so, it like burns your eyes. I don't know if it's just the way I watch football or whatever, but yeah, yeah he just... I don't know. I feel like for me, I don't like... I think if you were to talk to me about Jorginho, maybe like three years ago, then yeah. I probably I feel like I'd, I'd agree. I'd be inclined to agree. But the way I look at football and players now is I don't really... Um, I don't really kill players for their limitations. Oh, no, I, could, I agree. You know I'm, I mean? I'm completely I, with you. I, I, try, I try not to kill players for their limitations. I kind of understand that, look, certain players are going to be able to do certain things. Other players are not going to be able to do certain mm. things. So I'm not going to really be expecting Jorginho to body people off the ball. Yeah. No. I'm going to be appreciative of what he does bring to the game. And what he does bring to the game is incredible interceptions and reading of the play. Yeah. Ability on the ball, second to none. Um, and his ability to dictate the tempo of a match. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. So, like, yeah. So the point I do I'll... understand what you're saying in regards to you see them get bypassed and then trying to run back that hurts your eyes because it's not something you want to see in the Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just that. It, it was the fact of, like, under Tuchel, he was so important. It felt like we lost a lot when he didn't play. Yeah, I and I think there was occasions in games where maybe he shouldn't have played or maybe he's, his kind of um, his weaknesses can get focused on a lot more. And yeah. obviously, it's a short kind of... It's, um, it's a small... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's a small sample size... But at the minute, it looks like we've played midfield of uh, Loftus-Cheek and Kovacic. I think we've played... So let's just have a look quickly. So against Palace, it was Jorginho Kovacic. And then against Milan, the first game, it was Loftus-Cheek Kovacic. Uh, Wolves, it was uh, Loftus-Cheek Jorginho. And then the Milan second game was uh, Jorginho Kovacic again. Yeah. So I think there's like, what, there's three different... I just want to pause you. I heard Loftus Cheek quite often there. That's what yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. I heard him quite often there. <laughs> and there, that's three different, three different um, midfield duos in four games. And I don't think we've looked weak in midfield in any of those four games. No, I agree. Um, I so I like, like that. Midfield yeah, is quite strong. Exactly. So it looks like we can bring in players who have different skill sets, like all players do, and we don't lose much. And Potter seems to know what game needs what in this small sample size of kind of five games that we've had. 
Um, what was the Salzburg one out of curiosity? So Salzburg was Kovacic and Jorginho again, yeah. which I think is probably the main one we're going to see yeah. because they're probably our two most senior players. They're probably our two best midfielders, excluding Kante because Kante, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, it's, it sounds like he was back in training and now he's injured again. So, yeah, Kante kind of is a is a non-point at the minute, unfortunately. But yeah. we know he's going to come back and he'll probably put in a 10 out of 10 performance against Arsenal Man United or some big game because that's just what Kante does but yeah just the main point is we haven't lost much in midfield in these kind of four or five games that we've played and I, I like that yeah I agree I feel like the midfield has largely been quite good uh, bar for the first 15 minutes against AC Milan in the first leg um, I think we've generally been quite solid you know what I mean I think just our ability to kind of control a game has gone up a level um, it's gone up a level for sure. Um, I feel like the tempo which we play at is a, a, another thing that I want to kind of give credit to Grand Potter. In fact, I kind of want to go into a little segment about Potter, um, Sam, because obviously when we when we when we sat to go, I, I wasn't too happy about it. I think it was mm. quite quite unfair and a bit premature, but. Ultimately, I kind of accepted the decision, especially with the news and stories that were coming out at the end. I was like, oh, okay, well, Tommy, you kind of, kind of... Yeah, dug your own grave. Yeah, you can't really have that many complaints when it becomes that toxic and you, you're playing a big part in the toxicity. Um, but how do you think he's done? Obviously, he's had the five games. Um, how do you think he's done? Um, three Champions League, two, one draw, two wins... Two Premier League wins. Yeah. How do you how do you think he's done? And are you, how happy are you that the change has been made this early on? Yeah, I mean, just talking about the Tuchel sacking, I was like, I wasn't happy he got sacked because I did like Tuchel. But like you said, when the kind of story started coming out and I don't know, the kind of couple of months before he got sacked, we weren't in a good place. We were just going downhill and I think Todd coming in didn't help Tuchel. I think if Roman was still there, he would have stuck it out. I know people say Roman's obviously got a very quick trigger finger, but I think he would have. I think Todd just came in. He wanted his own guy, and it's completely fair enough. He just bought the club for what, like four bill, was it? Yeah, something silly. And I mean, he wanted his own guy. Probably the players came to him and said, "Listen, this guy is pissing us off, or whatever." Um, so yeah, in terms of what Potter's done. If you're not including the Salzburg game, because I think he hadn't had much in charge, so there probably wasn't much he could have done. Yeah. So if you include the four games from Palace to Milan, we've conceded one goal and we've scored 10. Um, so, I mean, you can't, you can't really complain. And if you're just not even just looking at results there, I think if you look at our general play, we're moving the ball so much quicker. We're, like, like we're going a lot more vertically than horizontally. Yeah. which is definitely more the football I like to see. Yeah. Um, and we're creating a lot more chances. Yeah. Granted, we haven't really played anyone. Like I mean, Milan are the champions of Italy, but I mean, Serie A is, yeah, I don't think it's that good. Yeah. Going to Selhurst Park isn't easy for anyone. Yeah. Um, Wolves are shit. Like, Wolves are actually crap and they yeah. haven't got a manager. And yeah, so that game is that. But um I think it's promising. It's definitely promising. Um, and like we've been saying, he's used a variety of players. He hasn't stuck to kind of a one lineup. He's 
kind of like you said, Wolves, you made what seven changes, I think. Yeah. So I think it's it's definitely promising. Um I don't want to get too ahead of myself, like mm-hmm. tend to do that. I mean but yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean it's, it's um it is it is going well. Obviously, um, in terms of results, I think no one can really complain. Performances, again, I think you can't really complain. I think there have been some noticeable changes. I wouldn't say they've been like, like massive changes between what two calls putting out and what um, Potter's putting out. I do feel like there's a, a degree, a bit more impetus with the play. I definitely feel like we are a little bit more. Um, aggressive in our offensive build-up, for sure. Um, but I still also think that we're still getting similar issues where players aren't finishing their dinner, you know? That being said, we're now starting to put teams to the sword as well. So I, I do think it's a bit, uh, it's a combination of things. I feel like the approach is a slightly bit more aggressive, a bit more vertical, I agree. Um, but I wouldn't say the, the changes are super, super noticeable, if you know what I mean. Which is a good thing for me, um, because I I didn't like, or I don't like, when Chelsea are uh, uh, an easy team and a soft touch. You know, I, I hate it. I actually hate I it. I agree. So I I do like the, the, the element of steel that is being restored, because that's something that Tuchel obviously brought... Um, but also, I appreciate that, you know, we're, we're scoring more goals for the time being. Um, and obviously, Aubameyang is finding his feet, um, which is great. It's great for us because having a reliable goal scorer is very, very important to any side. You know, he scored three in, in his last three. Um, and long may it continue, man, because, um, yeah, I, I was worried about Aubameyang for a while. Not because... No, because I, I felt he was going to score goals. And to be honest with Aubameyang, he's quite... Generally, he looks after himself quite well, so he's generally available for most games. Um, so I felt like if he was going to play, he'll score goals. My worry was the lack of involvement in the game. But one thing that I have noticed on the Potter is he is slightly more involved, you know, especially over the last two games. He's been slightly more involved, um, which is a good thing. Because when you have interplay, like his goal um, with Mason Mount, He's the one that it was a one two between him and Mason Mount. Um, it was like inadvertent because I don't think Mason Mount tried to find um, Aubameyang. Um, he tried to find Sterling, but the ball just moved into an area where Aubameyang could run onto it and smash it in the bottom corner. But where he does get involved, I think he's got quick enough and smart enough movements to really trouble defenses. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really worry about Aubameyang scoring goals now, like, and I don't really worry about his place in the side. I feel like once he's in the team, I think he he will get enough chances for him to to really damage and cause cause big big damage to teams. You know what I mean? So what is your what have your thoughts been on Aubameyang and his his impact? And what are your thoughts on you know Broya being the understudy? That what are your what are your thoughts on that balance, especially as well as even Kai Kai's involvement now. Yeah, so in terms of Aubameyang, I had similar worries to you in terms of how he would affect our kind of build-up play and our, our general play. But he definitely is more involved kind of than I thought. But there's still kind of moments in games where I'm just like, what are you doing? Like his his technique and his like hold-up play is it's okay, 
it's nothing amazing, but the thing I like about having him, I think it's probably since Costa, we haven't really had a striker where if they get a chance, I expect them to score. And I do think that about Bamiang. Um, like I expect him to score. Like he's a very good finisher. He's throughout his career that's been his main thing. He's just a brilliant finisher. Um, so I like that feeling and I think it strikes a fear into the opponents that maybe Kai didn't and I mean Lukaku, yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Um but yeah, so Kai that didn't really Kai's a brilliant footballer. He does a lot, but he didn't really strike that fear that an Albamyang would. Like you don't want to give Albamyang kind of a, a yard of space or an opportunity because he will score. He'll normally punish you. And I think that makes it easier as well for kind of the Mounts and Sterlings behind him to do what they do best and kind of just um, play their game because there's that constant fear of Albamyang and, oh, if if we give him that yard in the box or if we leave him for a second, he will punish us. And I think you notice that. And it's what I've been saying for ages. And I know kind of last year, yeah, the kind of Chelsea cast was obviously split between, oh, we just need a creator. And like a couple of us were like, no, I just think we need like a proper, like good striker. Um, I was on the striker side um, Mm -hmm. in terms of what we needed more. I think we all thought we needed both, but I was just, our creativity and our general, like the fear we strike into opponents will go up if we have a striker that just punishes people. And I think, I mean, we're seeing that in a small burst now. I hope it can carry on. But I mean, his finish against Palace was really like his top quality finish yeah, on the swivel, just bang, bottom corner, bang, straight away. A prime, a prime marksman at work there. The... Yeah, exactly. And I mean, his even his uh, goal against AC Milan, the second goal he scored against Milan, not the cross across the box. That was more his brilliant movement and Reese James being a cheat code. Yeah. Um, but his second goal was just like, he didn't need a second. Like you said, the pass wasn't really expected to go to him. I think I agree with you. It was supposed to go to Sterling, but I don't even he did I don't think he took a touch. Just no. bang, bottom corner, straight away. And it doesn't give the goalie any time to react. Yeah, it was a fun yeah. finish. He just ran onto it. It was perfect. It was um real, real top quality. It was such a good finish. Near post as well. You can't really yeah, keeper couldn't do anything about that. Yeah, you can, you can't teach that. You can't plan for it either. Yeah, yeah. Like, and 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 I, and I do agree. Um, obviously, last last season, I was saying for quite some time that like, look, it, it, we we need a killer. You know, we lack shooters. Like, it, it, when you look at our attack, oftentimes, especially last season, you're just like, oh, we're not striking fear into nobody. Like, the only fear you strike into a team. Is if you're thinking, okay, Chelsea's gonna play well, like you know what I mean. You have to be- rely on Chelsea to really be playing well and at their max all the time. Yeah, that's when you're like, okay, yeah, you know, performance-wise, it, it could be there. Like you know, for example, Havertz, Pulisic, and Mount in the um, FA Cup against Liverpool, or I mean, or in the Carabao Cup against Liverpool. You know what I mean? Where you have like a blinding game, and but there's no killer instinct there. You know what I mean? Like you can have great performances, but there's no killer in the team. And that matters. Yeah, like our main killer was from, like, right back. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, um, yeah, it, I, I definitely agree that Aubameyang brings that fear factor, you know. If you give him an opportunity, 
you know, he will punish you. And I, we definitely lack that more than a creator for sure. Because I think as a team, we generally created, created quite decently under Thomas Tuchel. Um, so I can't really talk too much about that. But when it comes to a lack of killer instinct, it was definitely there. Obviously, even Lukaku, you know, he barely, he didn't play that much, obviously down to injury and other extracurricular activities. But he got, he was one and two in the league, you know. So, yeah, and he has that killer instinct, but yeah. just, yeah, the less said about that, the better. It, just, yeah. it wasn't to be, man. And, yeah. I mean, he's still technically our player, so who knows? But, oh. Yeah, we'll see. God forbid, anyway, we've got to get rid of that guy, man. But, but yeah, also like leading on from what you said about Kai as well, I think it gives Kai the ability to play in the kind of behind the striker role, which I've always thought he's better in anyway. So that's good. And Broher, like I think he's a good option to have, and I think he's not in a bad position. I know people are saying he should start every week. Oh, he should start. He should start. And Chelsea fans are going to do that, but. I think he's in a good position now. And Aubameyang's old. He's going to be here for one, maybe two seasons. And Broha's learning. Aubameyang's a good person to learn off. Maybe not his punctuality. Don't learn off that because that's not very good. But you can learn off his his ability to score goals. And yeah. obviously we saw Broha's goal against Wolves was fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. I, so You know what? Yeah. I quite like the dynamic. I mean, I don't... I think Havertz has obviously like throwing a spanner into the works because I didn't know that Havertz was going to, especially on the plotter, going to play as a striker. But I feel like the dynamic of Broya being the understudy for, you know, Aubameyang is a good one, to be honest. And I think Aubameyang, like you said, as a finisher, as a striker, and someone that knows how to find the net, I think he's the perfect, really, mentor for, for Broya. You know, perfect. I think Broya's got a bit more about him in terms of the physicality, the, the the intensity and press pressure that he can put on the team. But I think in terms of movement, just watching how Bamian works is definitely going to be great for him. You know what I mean? Because, um, yeah, and he's going to play plenty of football. Plenty, plenty of football, which is, especially he wanted to do it for Chelsea as well. So it, it is great. And I feel like Potter... Like I said at the top of the pod, he can get away with mixing the matching pretty early, like, I mean, early on, but later in the season, I think he needs to really stick with it and stick with his team because I think there will be some people that are going to be disgruntled, especially players that were expected to be starting every game, but they're not as a result of the mixing the matching. And obviously, over time as well, you don't get really any consistency when you keep making wholesale changes, like seven changes. Um, because again, you're 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 not really familiar with your teammates when that keeps happening. If that makes sense. No, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, but obviously this weekend we are. Who are we playing this weekend? Villa on Sunday. Aston Villa, yeah, Aston Villa away. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. So Villa Park. I don't really like Villa away, you know. I don't. I don't. I don't know why. I feel like it's one of those... Hey, I feel like it goes either or. Yeah. We've been smashing like 4-5-0. Yeah, it's, it's one of those grounds where it could be a very dodgy one. And I'm just like, ugh, you know. But at the same time, we're in good form. We just went to the San Siro and won comfortably. So, Villa I'm, aren't good. Play, play, players were rested. Mason Mount was taken off after 45 minutes, so... 
Yeah. We should be relatively fresh, you know. This is the first time we played on a Sunday for quite some time. So, yeah, so mm. we should be we should be okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm confident about that game. Villa ain't looked good this year at all. Like, Cucurella didn't even play. Yeah, I did want to ask you something, Sam, because obviously, yeah, you had a bit of reservations and a, um, a, a little bit of words from my boy, um, Kaladu, Kulabali. Um, now, obviously, mm. the games, and you've been very, very impressive. Now, where do you stand with Kulabali? I think he's good. I think he's, I, I definitely don't think he started. Well, he started the season okay. He had the first two games were pretty good. And then I think, kind of he had a dodgy period but it did kind of coincide with Chelsea just being generally a bit dodgy in general so I can just say it was that I think he's still getting to grips with the league um I think sometimes he's a bit too aggressive maybe like he can always try I think he can like nick the ball or he does like silly little fouls and I think that's something he'll have to learn a little bit more in the sense of it's not like the league where if you give an opponent kind of an inch or you give them a little bit of faith in the first couple of minutes, your day can turn turn kind of bad because they can get some confidence and then they'll just keep running at you. They won't stop and they'll just keep going. But I think last two or three games, he's shown he's a quality player. His ability on the ball is really good. Just just behind Silver in our team for sure in terms of his passing between the lines and his he's good at switching the ball as well which I like we I was afraid we were going to lose that with Rudiger who was very good at that um, so I really like him but but yeah I mean I never really slept on Koulibaly or I wouldn't say I'd watched loads of him but I wasn't that impressed with he was coming in with a big name and a kind of like this is this is the guy. Well, top clubs have been chasing him for like years and years and yeah I think he went for a rough patch but I think he's back to his best and I don't know I think some people have mentioned it but maybe him and Silva are both best in the same role mm. um, which it's not a problem but I mean I think it could be could be good for us if Silva is injured um, and he obviously can't play as many games because he's getting on now. Mm. Um, and I think Koulibaly can, he's our best kind of backup to fill into that central centre-back role. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I feel like whilst you have them both together, I think you get a lot of control back there in terms of being able to control the tempo along with our midfield. Because um, they're both really good on the ball. Obviously, like you said, I think Koulibaly may be a level below um, Thiago Silva, which is ridiculous because Koulibaly is really good on the ball. Um, but, yeah, that, I, I do agree that maybe if he was to play centrally in the back three, for example, it, it'd actually be beneficial for us. But, ultimately, I think he's been really, really good. Um, I think even in, like, like you said, the moments where he's been... He said he, he was um, a bit out of sorts. Um, I, I wouldn't say that he's really been bad. Um, I do agree that he's has a, a tendency to be a bit overzealous, um, similarly to what Rudiger used to show, where he was just yeah. really keen to get the ball, really keen to like be on the front foot. 
but sometimes you're just better off sitting off. And sometimes it's always like you know you should know when and where to really try and attack the ball. Um, and like you said, that's a, that's a learning curve. Obviously, in in the Italian league where it's a bit slower, you can kind of get away with just attacking the ball, you know, attacking the space quite often. Um, but you know, in this league, you can really get punished. And you know, I think earlier in the earlier games, it definitely was something where you got punished. You got sent off for as well. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like. Kudabali for me was, I was never in doubt, you know, in terms of quality, I, I knew what he'd bring. I knew what he'd bring a million percent because he's just a fantastic, fantastic footballer. Like, really, really high level, def- uh, on the ball, really high level, defensively quick, he's really good too. Yeah, I, 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 I was never really worried about, about Kudabali. But someone else that I wanted to mention just quickly and just briefly, as a result of Wesley Fofana's injury, unfortunately, against um, AC Milan, which is fortunately not going to be not going to be out for too long. Somebody has stepped in from the shadows and has really stolen the march. And a lot of, a lot of people are really a bit not surprised, but you know, given his bloody record of twenty eight games, no losses, twenty wins, eight draws. Because we want to talk about Trevor Shalova, um, a slight unsung hero and, and very underrated for me. Um, what, what do you? What, I agree. What are your thoughts on Trevor? I really liked Chalaba. I always have. Well, I wouldn't say always have because I didn't really know much about him. I wouldn't say I watched him before he played for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, but I really like him. Um, I'm a big fan of the way he kind of plays. Um, my only reservation about him is he's he's not like I wouldn't say he's like a lockdown defender. Mm. Um, he's he's not like bad. But he definitely, like, I think if you're if you're an attacker and you want to choose someone to go against in our back line, he's probably, I mean, the one you choose to go against. Mm-hmm. That's not saying he's bad, but that's kind of starting, if I, if I was to say, his one weak area. Would, I'd say he can... Would you say that that's down to him being the least experienced of our back line? Or maybe, maybe. attributes in general? Yeah, I mean, we're comparing him against, like, what, Silva and Koulibaly and Fafana, who are all... I mean, Silva's just incredible at everything, which is weird considering his age, but, yeah. Koulibaly's obviously a top-class centre-back, um, and Fafana is, like, a... I'd say an elite talent, I think that's fair to say. I think he was, like, one of the highest-fought centre-backs, kind of young centre-backs in the world. Yeah. Um, but Chalabas, and I know they had obviously a, a Tobes and Babs had that little scuffle on the pod, the main <laughs> pod, about him being elite on the ball. And I mean, I think it's, it's semantics in it. It depends what you class as elite, but yeah. I think he's very, very good on the ball. Yeah. Um, he can drive with it. He's a very good passer, which isn't that surprising. He played as a midfielder for large parts of his career. You yeah. don't play as a midfielder in a top league without being quality on the ball. Like, it's, rid- <laughs> it's ridiculous. He played as a as well. It's not like he was playing... Like, he played... He weren't playing as a destroyer. He played as their six. So... Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I feel and we like see it every just, week, I, man. I, I we see it every to, week. Yeah, I feel like that's just generally down to a little, of, uh, a little bit of a lack of knowledge. A hundred percent. Like, they ain't watching Chalibur week in, week out. Yeah, yeah. It's just, but, it's just not something... I don't know what bloody... Skips doing week in week out. Yeah, so that's that's what it is. It's just a bit of lack of knowledge. 
Um, but yeah, like, like and, I, uh, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like he's, um, I feel like Chaloba's um, very reliable, man. I feel like, yeah, for sure. One thing you will get though, maybe like after like every six or seven games, you might get a shaky moment where it's just like, you know, you'll stoop for a header and it's like, oh, you know, you might get one moment in a game. Yeah, I agree, but I think people judge his mistakes more harshly oh. than. Silver makes mistakes, like Kudavali makes mistakes, Fafana makes mistakes, but when Ch- Chalaba makes a mistake, I think a lot of people, football fans do this a lot, they want to be proved right, and people maybe didn't know of Chalaba, they didn't, they kind of wrote him off early, and then it's, oh, every time he makes a mistake, it's, oh, see, he's not good enough. Yeah, agrees. Completely. Yeah. I, was, I was literally going to say the same thing. I feel mm. like his mistakes are far more highlighted. Like Fafana in the AC Milan game made some mistakes in the first game. He made some mistakes. You know? Yeah, he's made a couple of mistakes, to be he made honest. A couple mistakes. Uh, he, he scored a goal and people forgot, you know? And I feel like, unfortunately for Shaloba, these people won't forget, you know, with him, it just seems like they're, they're always assuming it's him, always assuming he's the one that's making mistakes. Um, but you don't get a record where you're winning 20 games, eight draws, and zero losses if you're a bad defender. That's him. And he's playing a big part. It's not like he's. You know, he's starting all those games. You know? Exactly. And he's basically like, I like that Potter's giving him the nod over Aspie. Oh, it seems fair. Like, fair. like he's the one who's kind of coming in to start fair. instead of Aspie, which Aspie. Tuchel wasn't really doing, which was exactly. a bit annoying. Which was ridiculous because he done so well on the two. And yeah, I, it's like, it's like you just said, Tuchel may have been one of those fans, for example, where he's like, eh, okay, I'll give him a go. Oh, he's playing really, really well. Okay, I'll give him another go. Oh, he's playing really well. I'll give him another go. But you're not rating him. You know, just because he's done well doesn't mean you have to rate him. You know what I mean? So I think that's what Tuchel was like. Tuchel was like, look, you're doing well, so I'm going to play you, yeah? I may not actually rate you, but I'm going to play you. So he plays him. Shaloba's performing, performing, performing. Then Shaloba has a mistake. Then Tuchel's like, yes, see? You're not the guy. You know what I mean? And I think that's what fans do. Fans do it as well. And, yeah, for sure. And I think that's, um, unfortunately, what Shaloba's been going through. But for me, great player, great potential. Obviously, people talk about Fafan's potential. I think Shaloba, if he consistently plays, I think he'd be a very, very good centre-back for us. Very, very good. And you don't really have to look elsewhere, in my personal opinion. You know? Um, I just want to get a quick lineup um for... This Saturday, I mean this Sunday. I mean it's difficult because of Graham Potter. Um, but yeah. what would you go with? I guess. What would I go with, or what do you? What do I think he'll go okay, with? Let's first start off with what would you go with, and what you think is going to Potter's going to go with. Okay, so I would go with. I, I can't say Kepa, but I mean he hasn't really done anything wrong, and I, I don't know how fit Mendy is. Like, is he fully back yet, or? Whatever. Okay, let's say Kepa. Many, I mean, many is back. Many is fully back. It's just that um, Potter just goes with Kepa. I think. Mm. Well, let's say Kepa. I mean, I don't. I know you. You could be asking for trouble starting him, and it's like, well, you're going to make a mistake. But until he makes a mistake, he hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's actually been pretty good in some games. Um, he's he's definitely is like better with his feet than Mendy. I know it's a thing like that. He wasn't, but I th- I think he is. Um, so, yeah, let's say Kepa, and then I'd probably go, um, I might rest Silva, you know. Yeah. So, I'd go Koulibaly in the middle, 
and then I'd go Chalabur on the right of him, uh, Kukurea on the left of him, and then Chilwell and oh fucking hell, James is injured, isn't he? Yeah, you playing a back three? I guess you might have to. Because I think so. I think that's what we'll go with anyway. So I'm just going to plan around that because I think that's probably what we'll go with. I think Potter's gone for that in like three of his four games. I think maybe Palace was the only one he didn't. Yeah. And it's very fluid of him anyway. And I'd like to get Cuckoo and Chilwell in that team. So I think back five is good for that. Um, so yeah, I'd go Koulibaly in the middle, Cuckoo left side of him, Chalaba right side of him, Chilwell left wing back. Let's stick Ruben Loftus-Cheek right wing back. Um, I think he's shown he can play there. He's he's good enough to play there. It's Villa. They're not like that good. Uh, and then I'd go for a Kovacic, Jorginho midfield. Um, and then I think I'd just go with a standard front line of Sterling, Mount, and Aubameyang. Cool. I um, think I think it slightly differently, um, but I think I play a four three three or four four two type um, variation. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think I would. Um, I definitely would rest um, Thiago Silva once more. Um, obviously, he's just recovered from a cold and played against AC Milan. Um, so I'd play Koulibaly and Trevor Shaloba at the back. Obviously, I'd start Kepa because I think Kepa has done well. And to be fair, I think he's performed. You know, he's performed. He's not really done anything wrong. So why would you drop him? Obviously, it's unfortunate for Mendy, but, you know, I guess that his his loss is uh, is Kepa's gain, and I think Kepa has been really really patient, and I think he's, yeah, Mendy was ass, like yeah, he was literally playing really shit. So. Well, performing well, so I do think that you know Kepa's really deserved his this moment. So let's mm. continue until we make, like you said, until we make the mistake, an error, performing really badly, then you should really go with um, go with Kepa. Um, in terms of left back, I'd go with Kukurea. Um, he didn't play in midweek, barely played anyway. So I play Kukurea at left back and then I play right back. Oh. Has to be right. Aspie. How about it has to be Aspie? It has to be Aspie. He actually was quite good. He hasn't been bad. I was going to say under Potter, he's actually been really good. Um he's been really good. So I say that with a good disgruntled face, but yeah, Aspilicueta has been, he's been really good, so I'm not going to complain too much. Um, so play Aspi, midfield of Kovacic, Loftus Cheek, and Mount. Um, Mount, it'd be like a 43 1 to an extent, but yeah, Mount, mm. um, I'd play him just a, slightly ahead of Kovacic and Loftus Cheek. Loftus Cheek, the deepest of the midfield. Um, because I think Kovacic has really been in his playmaker bag, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I've been enjoying it. And then play a front three of Sterling, Aubameyang, and Kai Havertz. I think that would give us enough firepower, um, creativity, and intensity in the front three, which I, I'm I'm all over. Aston Villa haven't been in great form. So I do think that this is an opportunity for us to really put them to the sword. So, yeah, that's what I think I'd do. In terms of what I think Potter would do, 
I think he'll play the formation I said, yeah. but I think he might play silver. I don't know. I think he might start Aspie as well. Yeah, didn't 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 we play a four against Palace? Uh, against Palace, it was. I think it was because a five. Was yeah, it? sorry. Yeah, it's like a four-four-two against Palace. Yeah, it's Palace. I think it'll be similar. I think he's going to set up similarly to Palace. Yeah. So I think yeah, against Wolves it was a four-two-three-one. Yeah. So I think against Palace it was mm. set up similar. So it might be Mount and Sterling, the wide guy. Lost I think sheep, yeah. Lost the Sheik and Kovacic midfield. I can see him um, resting Aubameyang, playing Kai up top, and maybe where you said Kai will play, I think he might play Gallagher. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think he could that. do that. I wouldn't want that. That would, I think that really that kills. Not even kills. It reduces the goal potency massively. Oh, definitely. If I'm taking if I'm if I'm dropping or resting Aubameyang, then I'm bringing Barry up. You know, I, you just have to. Mm. Or even Pulisic, I think he is a goal threat. Like, he's annoying, but yeah, he's, he's definitely threat, a goal threat. He's a goal threat, but I think he's more in the line of the goal threat of Raheem Sterling rather than a Batman defenseman. Oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah. But that's the beauty of Potter. Who knows what he's going to bloody do? Exactly. That is, it's just one of those things where you just have to wait and see. Mm. Yeah, I think whatever. I think if you put my lineup up, out, your lineup up, out, even the um, lineups we think Potter will play, I think. We should have enough to beat Villa, regardless. We so, we and we're slowly creeping up the table. We're now in the top four, and which looked quite challenging prior to, you know, prior to. Yeah, I mean, like the table's looking like we're looking healthy. We're okay. four points off Tottenham with a game in hand, seven points off City, eight points off um, Arsenal, and we've got a game in hand against all of them. I think our game in hand is against Liverpool, I it believe. Is. It is. Yeah. So, I mean. That's an easy win for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but, but yeah, we'll see. It's shaping up quite nicely. Um, the season isn't all doom and gloom, but let's see how Potter yeah. is it. You know, it's, it's, it's very difficult for him, especially at this level, not being able to manage and um, coach. You know, we have a week coaching. You know, it's, it's going to be new for him, different for him. So let's see how he does, man. But so far, so good. Very, very impressed. Um, the long way it continue, man. Um, but yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me, bro. Um, it's been a no pleasure. problem. And yeah, listeners, we'll catch you next week. Um, hopefully, with a win. Oh, wait, are we playing again Champions League next week as well? No, we got Brentford midweek Brentford Wednesday. Midweek, that's right, we've got Brentford. Mm. So hopefully, we have. And we got United on Saturday. Yeah. So hopefully, by the next time we speak, um, we'll have two wins on the trot. Um, and it'll be like set, what, seven? Wins for for Potter. So six. It'll be snow. We we'll play if we play. Um. Yeah. Well, next pod will be after Aston Villa and Brentford. So that would be exactly. Palace, Milan twice, Wolves, Villa, Brentford. So six. 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 Okay. Then yeah. Six wins on the trot. Hopefully, we get that done, man. But anyway, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.